Welcome, friends, to Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast. You're just in time. We are here at the Aeolian, of course, waiting for our good friend Quoth to play some music. You're just in time to be my partner for a round of corners because look who stopped by our good friends, Will and Phoenix from Tales from the Waystone Podcast. Hello. 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 You're just worried that we're going to trounce you, aren't you? <laughs> yes, because... You guys know me too well, to the, um, and I'm not able to pull what Dana pulled on the boys when she said she didn't understand corners. Because you guys <laughs> know I just straight up don't understand corners. I mean, it's a made-up game after all. I mean, wait a second. All games are made up. Who are we kidding? <laughs> all games are made up, but we don't know the rules of corners like we do know the rules of tack. Right. It's, theoretically, anyway. We have access to them. We have not looked at them. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, do, that's very true well someone may have come up with them and i i just missed the memo on that so today will and phoenix have joined me and i'm going to have to try very hard not to say will and sim because we're talking about sim today um <laughs> i don't mind the comparison yeah he is he is quite a a good little bean and, um, you know, when I reached out to you guys to come back for this season, because you discussed Ori with me last season, um, I said, you know, who would you like to do? And you responded that you wanted to talk about Simmons. So can I ask uh, why that is? No. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like over here, like looking at each other, like who wants to talk? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so Simmons is just an interesting character to me because... In this story, he is the most gentle, I'd say. But he's not like a complete pushover. I think also uh, he is the character who has very few in the way of hard edges. And he's the sort of person that people would want to have as a friend. But he's also easily overlooked while still being a very valuable member of Quoth's friendship group. And it's interesting to me that you say he's overlooked because I think when we say that, we mean by other people in his life, right? Quoth doesn't necessarily overlook him. Um, but that is a good point. You know, he's the fourth son. Um, he, I I guess people look at him and see him as sweet as this guy who, you know, is running around trying to chase all these girls and um, don't have the time to know him like Quoth and Will do. There's that. And I think he's also oftentimes regarded just because he's nice and generally good as and, and optimistic. He's sometimes regarded as being naive and i think that's not strictly the case not always and and as we see he does have a bit of um and as we'll you know talk about in a bit but he does have he does like his revenge he likes imagining revenge against ambrose and that that proves that being kind doesn't mean you're weak or doesn't mean you're not capable of having great anger Right, the anger of a gentleman is something all wise men should fear. Yes. Um, but that he just would rather spend his energy being kind. Yep. Um, or perhaps 
you know, perhaps the world hasn't been cruel to him. Perhaps it has. And he's kind no matter, you know, no matter what he's been through. But um, yeah, I quite, I quite like Sim as well. So let's get into seven things about Sim before we get, get too far into the weeds. And uh, we're going to switch off on these. I'll go ahead and start. Number one, our dear Simon um, does not have a job that we know of at the university, does not um, work to make a living as at least one other noble we know of. Ambrose does work. Um, not sure if he needs the money, but Sim has an allowance, so we can kind of assume that is how he pays his tuition. Yeah, it also covers room and board. He, he never seems to be hurting for cash when it comes to going out for drinks or anything like that. Uh, so with Simon, we know that, first of all, like he likes to kind of imagine himself dating girls, but he doesn't have a lot of luck until the end of The Wise Man's Fear when he is romantically linked with Fella. And it's really interesting watching their courtship. Um, he wins her mostly just by being himself, by not trying. Like, in many ways, it's sort of a, a, an act of naming, I think. It, he, he woos her with his sleeping mind, not his waking mind. He doesn't uh, woo her by any sort of clever guile or craft. He wins her heart because he listens to her and sees her and is just radically himself around her in a way that she responds to and that she feels like she can be that with him. Um, so I think that's a, a really cute pairing there. That's really beautifully put. Thank you. All right. Number three. Yep. So then uh, he's the fourth son of the Duke of Dalinair and he's a little bit misunderstood at home. I can definitely yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say we, and we hear this from Will and I um, have my podcast from Will out already and note how Will is the one who has to tell Cloth about this and Will, I really, you know, like his character and he either, you know, figure this out about Sim or Sim told him um, and he has to kind of tell Cloth to be careful. Um, so that's just a real nice Will moment. Yeah. Also, like, the amount of information we get from Sim about his home life is when he gets angry over Kvothe being kind of cavalier regarding the, the, regarding the Duke of Gibeah mm -hmm. and how his family line was directly affected. Yeah. I think also one of the things that we get is that, and this is something I empathize with when it comes to Sim. Uh, you know, I he like me went to school and then decided to study something woefully impractical, and um, when there was a familial expectation that he would study something with prestige and you know power that would be associated with it, um, you know. It, it puts you at odds with the, with expectations there. And so I can, I can get that. I, I respond to that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, okay. So number four, 
Dear Sim likes poetry. Um, actually, kind of that moment where he first um, really, well, Fella first really starts to take notice of him is when he comes up with some Elventic style poetry. And he studied Elventic, Elventic with the Chancellor, um, Master Herma, M Master Linguist. Yeah. And he does that just off the cuff there, just as a sort of a fun thing that he just improvises on the spot, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, there's something really cool about knowing another language. Yeah. Also, I remember when we had the little section of Sim reading the Eldventic verse and the cadence of it, if you listen to the audiobook, is really distinct, and I think we butchered it. <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> so the other, the fifth thing that we know about Sim is that he has a bit of a uh, vengeful streak. When he, when he, when his anger is up, he likes to imagine his enemies in very unpleasant situations gets a little bit of the schadenfreude, so to speak. Um, but what's notable about it is it's almost never regarding indignities that they have inflicted on him. It's indignities that they have inflicted on people he cares about. He doesn't care if Ambrose is a dick to him. He cares that Ambrose is a dick to Fella and to Quoth and to everybody else. That's what makes, that's what makes Sim angry. But to be real, he also is a little bit salty about how he's been treated by especially Ambrose. And who wouldn't be? <laughs> but that's not what inspires his wrath. Let's put it that way. Yes, he's much more willing to throw hands for his friends than he is for himself, it seems. So then number six is that he was learning Siaru. A useful thing to know when your best friend is a native Siaru speaker. Yeah, that's really cool that he did that. It's also really helpful that Sim understands and is learning languages when uh, Kfoth gets himself locked in jail in Imre and has to learn other languages to get himself out. Though we don't know for certain yes. that Sim actually helped both learn but he might have well I wonder how many similarities they are between Tema and Eldvintic because you know they're both ancient languages mm -hmm. and then number seven the seventh thing we know about our dear Sim is that he's a skilled alchemist um, he studies that he seems to be pretty good at what he does and he warns Quoth in the wise man's fear, you know, hey, dude, this is something, this is not chemistry with some fun parts. This is serious shit, and you do not understand what I do in here. Um, one, of those, one of those moments where he is a little um, intense, uh, as Will alluded to, talking about Sim's vicious streak, um, yeah, he definitely um, can harbor, seems to be able to hold a grudge for 
a long time. And as we know, the anger of a gentle man is something all wise men fear. Mm-hmm. What do you all think? Um, I'm going to probably jump right into some discussion about Sim that's had in the fandom about why Quoth talks about him differently than he talks about Will. is And folks wonder if that's because something really bad is going to happen to Sim. Aww. I'm wondering where the two of you come down on that. So, generally speaking, I don't really like to future cast something that isn't unless I want to do like an absolute just fan fiction future cast because there's a couple of reasons when you put that out there and then the author reads it and then they go they go like well now I'm not going to do it or <laughs> when they go well you figured it out so now I have to make it worse or <laughs> any number of those things. But, like, I am kind of wondering which characters are not long for this world and which ones are not. I also kind of wonder if, at the very beginning where we've got the travelers coming in through the Waystone, if one of them might remind both a lot of Sim because there's the two travelers that uh, are in that night of absolute revelry that the, the inn is finally full of music and a lot of guests and everything. And I, I'm just wondering if one of those, like the, the more drunken of the guests might almost be Simon, but brainwashed to not remember Quoth. Mm, that's interesting. So, he, he, I mean, people definitely latch on to him being described as sandy-haired. Yes. I think there's also... I don't know if, if necessarily anything like catastrophic happens to Sim, but I do think that there's a falling out between Quoth and Sim that... Foth is probably mostly responsible for and definitely, or at least feels mostly responsible for. I mean, especially if he kind of summons Balefire on all of the nobles. We also know that, uh, like, Foth isn't actually a very good friend to Sim. That's one of the things that we actually see over and over again. He's not a good friend to Will either. Right. Like, Will and Sim are constantly, you know, doing things left and right for their boy Quoth. You know, they're, you know, they, they, they get into all kinds of crazy schemes for him. They express interest in his life and well-being. And he doesn't really express a commensurate interest in them. He goes to them when he needs help, but he doesn't really make himself available when they need it. Let's put it that way. I mean... He doesn't even really, like, when when he goes off to, to Ventus. This is the point I was going to make. He doesn't write to let them know that he's not dead. He doesn't give them a note, for one thing. And, like, he's he spends more time talking about his parting with Threp, his parting with Davy, 
And then he says, Eladin. And Eladin. And everybody. He's got like a paragraph for the others. He doesn't even get a paragraph. He says, We exchanged firm handshakes. (laughs) I mean, come on. So I don't know, but like we've gone off the rails from the original question. But I don't know. I don't. I don't want anything bad to happen to Sim. I love Sim, but I don't want anything bad to happen to anyone because I love them all. Except for Ambrose. Except for Ambrose. Except for Ambrose. Um, Phoenix, you probably save yourself a lot of time and energy by not trying to future cast these books because there are truly some things that I know people have spent hours on. Yes. Um, But would you agree at least that it, it definitely seems like he's foreshadowing something. I don't know. I, maybe. 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 But also, I think the that there might be a different kind of affection going on. There's a couple mm. of little bits when Quoth first meets Sim that seem like they might be a little bit more connected it might not be something that is like necessarily romantic or uh like anything i don't i don't know i haven't ascribed any sexuality to anyone but they seem like there might be a a further connection to them rather than just being fond or being friendly there's definitely, hey, yeah, there's a deep friendship there. And, you know, even if in terms of overall life and livelihood, there's nothing wrong with Sim. Um, we know that by the beginning of, you know, by, by the by the time we get to the story of Coat, right, where Coat is ter- telling his story, Sim is not a part of his life. And... You know, anytime you have a deep friendship like that and it goes away for whatever reason, either because of distance or because of a falling out, you know, that can be really traumatic. And that's that right there is a, you know, one of life's small tragedies um, that is plenty big enough to break anyone. Well, I was going to say, Phoenix that if you if you're saying that you ship it you know (laughs) go forth because go i mean absolutely go forth i'm here for it the thing is like there was a spot right at the beginning of when both was at the university that i think i may have edited out my comments when i was talking about it on our podcast but because it didn't fit but there might have been something that was a little bit more of a spark. Mm-hmm. This is editing RJ from the future. When I say threp coming up here, I clearly mean stapes. And I'm a fool. Thank you. Well, and, you know, another close male friendship we have in this book um, is Alvaron and threp. And that, you know, is that's a different um power imbalance but the folks over on page of the wind um you know one of nick's reads for why alvaron hasn't gotten married 
is that he is gay and just his whole life has been, you know, living, living not as who he really is. And he might have something with Threp. So I think that there are definitely, you know, definitely these clues here. Have either of you seen the movie Beckett from like 1940 something with, with P it. So it's got Peter O'Toole and Richard Burton in it. Okay. And it's a, and it's about Thomas Beckett, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury for one of the Henry's and their relationship in the movie is so it is kind of this closeness where you in watching it and examining it with a critical eye, you have to wonder if the filmmakers way back then meant it to be fruity because it's like sometimes you see a male relationship and I'm not saying this is where Quoth and Sim are. I'm saying I've gone off the rails, Um, (laughs) but another, uh, pop culture male relationship where it's like what is uh, what is going on here and you know talking about sim compared with his brothers compared with the rest of his family he does kind of have that i don't know if i'm trying to say the stereotype of like the different son you know the gentle son yeah who, who goes away um that's i think very much a trope um i also kind of, of wonder though about sim if part of the reason that he is so performatively like look at that girl look at that girl look at that girl is because maybe he doesn't really want to look at all the girls maybe or maybe he wants to look at everybody right maybe he feels like he needs to be looking at girls because he because of who he really wants to look at you know, it's not. And it also seems like if Sim was gay, from what we understand about a Torrens, they're more buttoned up when it comes to sexuality. Mm-hmm. So I think it's possible that just the culture Sim is from, the fact that he could be gay or bisexual or pansexual, you know, or, or anything other than cis gender and and heterosexual he just doesn't know that that's not part of his world right i mean there's not a whole lot of mention of people who are gay other than uh stanchion and uh diak being in a relationship but i'm not sure that they are written completely 100 percent gay but they are in a relationship well, yes, and I. <laughs> and then there was. Little... I've commented. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. There was also just a like a little bit of gay panic, at the Aeolian from quote. Yes, yes, and that but, left a bad taste yes. in my mouth. But it was also two thousand seven. But I will say, both for Diak and Stanchion, and for that couple, Quoth meets in the in the Aeolian, and I think I've said this before on the podcast. Both of those couples show a disturbing inclination for minors because with Diak and Stanchion, it was Denna. Mm-hmm. With right, with I think it was Diak. And unless the two guys in the Aeolian thought Quoth was of age, you know, that's another That's a little disturbing. It is when 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 both, you know, same sex couples 
go after underagers. That's just really a weird thing to put in your book. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that as time has gone by, it seems like Patrick Rothfuss has learned more and gotten... I'm, I'm wondering if the next book would have been the same if he had gotten it out quicker in terms of his worldview. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think he, he didn't mean anything by that. That's why Um, I say it was like 2007. It was right when that was not necessarily acceptable, but not as noticed, I guess, or not as called out. No, you're right. It's step, but um, definitely something. Yeah, definitely something I notice on my rereads. And it also makes me wonder how old Denna really actually is. Mm-hmm. Me too. And there's, you know, we're a little bit in the weeds, but there's that yeah. comment from Diak about, you know, like Stanchion made fun of me for going after girls half my age, and Kvothe also makes the comment to Diak, Diak, like well, dude, you're not more than, like, 30. So... That's icky. <laughs> um, yep. So unless it worked out that Denna was exactly 18 and Diak was exactly 36, you right. know, or, or, or you know, some, you know, 17 and 32, something like that, even that's weird to me. It, yeah. Because, I mean, and, and, you know, maybe in Tamarant, you become an adult at... 15 and and 200 days i don't know but to us it doesn't seem right right but this is also where you get a lot of aging up when there's an adaptation yes so like game of thrones is really 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 icky if you think about it yes and then they they fixed that for the show we're in the weeds, guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. We are, Nerdy things. <laughs> we are in the weeds. I was about to try to pull us out. I was about to try to pull us out of the weeds, but I didn't really have a good segue. So, uh, as we is is there any <laughs> Game of Thrones? Speaking of families, is there anything else we want to talk about? Sims family. So, like, if we want to compare it to Game of Thrones. I kind of think of him similar to Samuel Tarley, where okay. he has a father who is interested in power and influence, and then his brother is the one who seems to have gotten all of the things that his father values. Um, whereas Sim is much more interested in learning for learning's sake. Um, he's studying alchemy not because he thinks it'll make him powerful, but because he's interested in it. And also not because he thinks it'll make him money. Right. He's not interested in wealth or power or anything. He's just like, this is really cool. Look at all this cool stuff. And yeah, I, I can see that he he's sort of a, a black sheep in the family because he's not interested in the things that drive his the rest of his family. But also because he's the fourth son and not, like, the first son, he winds up having a completely different dynamic because they can just kind of shove him off to wherever, and no one will really notice he's gone. 
they they don't really need to train them up for anything right i mean by the time you get to the fourth kid you know you got a couple heirs and yeah you can send the quiet weirdo off to study poetry or whatever yep and he also is in the situation where his his brothers already got his brothers and sisters already got all of the favors called in for them um so his parents have already pulled all the strings for them. They don't have any strings left. By the time the fourth kid rolls around, he's getting hand-me-downs, you know? Yeah, but I feel like, you know, in a way it is, he probably realized at some point that it was kind of freeing for him, that he wasn't the first. He didn't have to go into military service or go into the church or politics. Um, I mean, he was kind of able to choose his own path, even if that meant um, cutting himself off from his family, mostly, you know, emotionally. And how many of us, you know, kind of have had that story. I know a lot of queer people, um, you know, that I know have very strained relationships with their families um, and, and folks for other reasons, but I'm sure that rings true, you know, to a lot of people. They'll, the, you know, the family will, give you something if you need it, but they don't really want you to call and check in. Yeah. Like, Sim doesn't go home for holidays. Yeah, that's really sad. Um, and, you know, you think about Will, you know, Will goes home for a semester because he can. He must have a fairly close relationship with his family. Quoth doesn't necessarily have anywhere to go and neither does Sim. Which also might, that might also be something that contributes to how close the two of them are, even if it's not necessarily portrayed in Quoth's story to the Chronicler. I can see. Yeah, they've both lost family. I, I can Sorry see it as sort of a, a, a kinship of found family. Um, and I also think that Quoth doesn't really know what it's like to have a brother. So. That's maybe partly why he's not very good <laughs> at at uh, treating Simon, who is kind of like this older brother figure to him in many ways. I, I wonder if that's partly why Quoth doesn't know how to handle, you know, just being a mature friend to him, you know? That's a great point, Well, And I also had to laugh because I sometimes do forget that Will and Sim are older than Quoth by at least two or three years. I, I think of them as the same age in my head. I know, me too. Uh, we have had, in the last few episodes, a lot of trouble trying to just nail down how old Quoth is. And the thing is, he's 15 through most of the end of The Name of the Wind and the first third of The Wise Man's Fear, because he turns 16 around the time that he leaves the university. Yeah, so he's. I mean, and I think like, they're Sim probably eighteen. I think he oh, might twenty. He might be twenty. I, I thought he was well, more like eighteen or something like that. He might be that. <laughs> There's there is a point where where Quoth uh, calls him Little Sim, yes. and Will gives an exact. Yes. You know, the Sim is two inches and three years, you know, ahead of you. Um, so that makes sense. Hey. So I, th I think this is about the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think this is about 
the same time in Wise Man's Fear that we learn about the Duke of Gibeah and Sim's connection to the Duke of Gibeah. Mm -hmm. So that has implications for a mirror kind of stuff if the duke was a mirror um mm -hmm. and definitely with you know master lauren showing up eventually so i'm wondering um if you two fine folks have any comment um on that scene yeah so you know one of the things i think is that yep yeah, Obviously, Master Lauren has some connection to the Amir, whether it is knowing or unknowing. Um, as far as the Duke of Gibeah goes, I kind of think that some of Sim's family are at least related because, one, nobility. They're all related. Um, <laughs> that, that goes without saying. Um, and it's also possible that, you know, in some capacity... You know, after the Duke died, it's possible that that's what allowed Sim's family to rise through the ranks because that's where you get a Klingon promotion, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, um, we had questions on whether or not the Duke of Gibeah was actually part of the Amir or if he kind of appropriated their symbols and their for the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> um bits <laughs> into that like flesh covered book now that's a great point i mean it kind of reminds me a bit of uh, foucault's pendulum where you have a whole bunch of people pretending to be templars who end up attracting the attention of the real templars and none of the things that they're searching for are actually real but because they all believe them to be real, they start getting woven into all of these elaborate conspiracies that are all people trying to figure out a conspiracy. Like, I can see that being sort of an Amir sort of thing to happen. Well, and remember that Florian said there were never any human Amir. So, you know, take that as you will. Yeah, we're getting up to the Florian section in probably a year. Uh, if I have to be honest, it's going to take us a while. <laughs> we're plotting. But it's been a while since I finished the series. We're pacing ourselves. We're giving Pat time to catch up. <laughs> That's how we're going to look. You know, hopefully you'll have a chapter to an, a whole new chapter to look forward to soon. I know. I'm so excited about that too. I haven't heard I haven't heard much about that, but I'm I'm pumped for whatever it is. Like I'm excited for that, and I'm also excited for the graphic novel of the uh, um, oh the boy, the, Jack. Yes. Yeah. But, well, I don't remember the name of the thing anymore. I don't remember it anymore yeah. either. But Jack's in the moon. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the gra graphic novel adaptation of that story, and Nate Taylor just being an awesome like person to to even get to talk to because we've gotten to talk to him at conventions before so yeah i remember y'all saying that that's so cool also he likes to let things slip by accident god bless him yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we he didn't probably, do that. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's probably torture for him. Yeah. If he knows stuff. I mean, I'm sure he's gotten a few of the shut up <laughs> comments back at him. So as as much as I I want to think I could do like be a beta reader or hold a secret like that, oh, no. I just I could I don't think I could. I think that would be tough. It would be tough. You know what I well that reminds me of um at some point on Reddit you know, but maybe between season one and two of The Mandalorian, some guy came on and was like, yeah, I work on Lucasfilm. You know, the the little baby Yoda's real name is Grogu. And everyone was like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's not true. And then when it came out that that's actually, you know, spoilers for The Mandalorian, uh, that's actually <laughs> the the thing's name. Everyone was like, wait, this, this guy's going to get fired any second. Yep. <laughs> And then I Taylor's love, smarter than that. Just the Grogu, that's an awful name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not calling you that. Who? Oh, yeah. Pelimoto said that. God, that was yes. funny. It is a, it was, it is such a goofy name. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, look, this is, this is Star Wars where goofy names are par for the course. <laughs> I mean, let's. Let us never forget Salacious B. Crumb. Right. Yeah. Let's never... Truly an icon. Will Rowe Hood. <laughs> let's also never forget yeah. what what uh, George Lucas named the music. Oh yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Max Rebo <laughs> and the, his Jizz Cantina band. His Jizz Cantina. When I don't even. I'm not even going to bleep that. I don't <laughs> think I need to. Look, that is canonically what it's called. <laughs> I know it is. Uh, <laughs> Max Rebo, what a king! Um, we're we're way out of the weeds. We're into the sands of Tatooine. Yes. Um, what? So, what else do we have on Sim? Um, if we're we're not going to get too uh, deeply into the theories, you two had something nice down here about uh, what Sim and Willem represent. Yeah. So Who wants to take that? I'll, so this is something that that hit me, and it's been rattling around in my brain for a bit here. Um, so Sim and Will represent sort of a duality of Foth's nature, um, sort of that light and dark, because you have Sim who is fair-haired, and then you have uh, Will who is dark-haired. You have Sim who is sensitive, kind, and creative. And then you have Willem who is pragmatic and realistic. Um, so those represent sort of these two sides of Quoth, because Quoth does have this very artistic, creative, sensitive side and then he also has that very hard-bitten pragmatist side. And part of me wonders if Will and Sim are actually alternate personalities or alter egos of Kvothe, sort of like Ooh. Tyler Durden's in Fight Club, sort of. <laughs> like, so, I mean, let's think about it. Like, we never really see Will and Sim interact outside of their interactions with Kvothe. As far as we know... They're only ever in existence when Kvothe is around. Okay, the thing, though, is that we don't see anyone's interactions with anything other than when they're with Kvothe. Look, I mean, Kvothe has already said that he's the most important person in the world, so maybe he means that literally all of these people are just people in his psyche. Like, oh, spoiler alert. This is kind of the, the way that Will talks in our uh, little Patreon-exclusive bonus pods that are 
related to King Killer theories that he's read. So, well, I was gonna say, <laughs> um, <sighs> no, actually, you know what? Go no, go ahead, continue, please. It's it's hilarious. Go ahead. Well, so yeah, I'm I'm thinking like so. So in Fight Club, so, right? Oh dear. <laughs> well, I was gonna. So is it a Calvin and Hobbes type situation where Almost. you know they're just maybe little dolls and then they only come alive when? Okay, okay, okay. Could be like that, <laughs> um, or basically, Quoth just sort of inhabits their personalities when they are doing things. Like we never see them really interacting separately. Like people don't even really acknowledge them when Quoth is around. Yeah, they do. Who? Give me an example. Like when when they're not around and he's around. Yeah. That's not a good question. <laughs> so I think just to kind of to straddle the fence here, <laughs> Ambrose has interacted with all of them. Yes. Uh, Denna has all the teachers. Uh, um, have they? Both just says they and have. Then, He's an unreliable narrator. <laughs> what's? I'm. Here's the thing. Manette and Denna, neither of them are reliable narrators. So, Will, your your theory is still okay, but there was some. Oh, that guy Savoy who conveniently disappeared. Yeah, I know. I kind of miss Savoy. Yeah, Savoy he, died on his way back to his home planet. That's probably what happened. <laughs> Savoy was giving Savoy was um, our other Modegan whose accent was actually pretty popping because yeah. Mola or uh, no Fella doesn't really have an accent yeah I really really loved the accent work in the audiobooks it was pretty good and I'm sure you guys know this but I mean Nick Podell probably worked with Pat to make sure it all sounded right I would assume so, though some of the pronunciations of some of the names, like, are different enough that it makes yes. me wonder. Like, Elodin well, versus Elodin. Well, and also, between book one and two, he switches how he says Davy Debbie. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, right. I think it's Debbie in book one, and then he switches to Davy in book two. Yeah, we are distinctly on the, the Davy side of that but we also say Elodin or yeah we also say Elodin. Elodin I have said both yeah because I listened to the books so many times it is it is how however you want to say it so um yeah I really like the duality of quotes nature um that's not quite an allegory right it, They're not necessarily allegories. It's maybe a metaphor, like uh-huh. like they they serve narrative roles. They serve they they they're sort of the angel and devil, so to speak, that sit on Quoth's shoulder in most situations. Mm-hmm. Except, I would say that Will doesn't like steer him into like the the evil and or wrong way. No, it's I, I'm thinking more in the sense of not good versus evil but creative versus pragmatic. Mm. Mm-hmm. You have Willem who is urging, do the cautious thing, mm-hmm. do the practical thing, do the sensible thing. You have Sim who's urging to do the spontaneous thing, do the fun thing, do the creative thing. It's kind of like vicariously living through Quoth. 
little bit. Well, is there anything else on Darling Sim? So you had something down here that I thought was really interesting. The one right above that. So the idea of the betrayer because of love lost, mm -hmm. truth traveled, trusted, and betrayed. And if Sim is the betrayer. And I kind of get the sense that so Kvothe is all about making very subjective calls about right and wrong, whereas mm -hmm. Sim seems to have a more objective sense of that sort of thing. And I'm wondering if there might be a, a scenario where um, because of that difference, they find themselves in a moral dilemma mm -hmm. and that creates a rift between them where Kvothe does or is trying to do something that Sim believes is morally wrong and cannot support. And then that's how, and Kvothe views that lack of support as betrayal. Sure. Or it might be the other way around where Sim thinks that Kvothe is doing something morally wrong because remember Sim is his conscience when he yeah. got hit with the plumbob. Yep. I do also like the, kind of mention of Cicera, the poet killer, uh, in terms of, of Quoth's sword. Yeah. And our, our most strongly hinted at person that could be the poet, if it's something that is future instead of something that is just in the past of its line. That said, we also know that Ambrose is a poet, so maybe he just kills Ambrose with it. Well, Ambrose thinks he's a poet. I don't think he's a poet. Well, he's not. A, he is a poet. He's just not a good one. <laughs> well, and you have Vashet's poet king, who I don't think is Sim or Ambrose. I just think it's someone else, possibly even thrown in as a red herring. Um, but it's it definitely would seem significant that. Asasura, and and that's a real word too. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just a word he made up, but that it's kind of used as um, the break in the line, which is great, you know, foreshadowing for who's the king going to be killed. Right, there's going to be a break in a line there, mm -hmm. um, but also the break in a line of of perfect verse, and that that is obviously tied to Vint, um, you know, the Ventish royal line and the vintage poetry so not to future cast too much but man all those you know all those clues that's the kind of stuff that really gets people's minds working well, about the fact that you know something's going to happen with sam and it's going to be bad the thing about it is that i've ha had this conversation recently with somebody else i think probably either on twitter or instagram where Pat doesn't put details in that aren't going to be fulfilled at some point. That we know of. Generally speaking, if there is a oddly specific detail, there will be a resolution to the oddly specific detail. Right. One would hope. But remember, that third book hasn't been written yet. No, it's been written. It's just not been <laughs> It hasn't finished. been published. Let's put it that way. It hasn't been finished. <laughs> and... There are a lot of a uh, lot of little specific details that have been dropped out there, so that that'll need to be be tied up. Which, I mean, that will make finishing that third book a challenge. 
I mean, it's yeah. So he wants to wrap everything up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like lost all over again. It is, and he knows he's got to stick the landing, which is probably why it's taking so long. Yeah, that, and I think as he told it, you know, he wrote the story as one thing, and then was like, "I'm going to split this up. I have to split this up," and then did split it into three and has had to go back okay the first one that's not so hard then the second one i gotta figure i gotta fix everything that i put into the first one now (laughs) and now you know the third one whatever he's got left he's had to do so much work on and you know i um i can't really blame him because i would do the exact same thing and and make people wait 15 years for a book i'd do the same thing because you know uh, some of us aren't organized. We get a big idea and then we have to fight our procrastination tendencies. Also, you know, I kind of get it. Don't forget, he's got two kids. Yeah. That takes up a lot. And, hate to say it, but like his Twitch community definitely pushes him to play Minecraft instead of write. I mean, the man, and the man's also doing, you know, a decent amount of of fundraising i don't watch the minecraft unless it's for fundraising but yeah i do understand that he's on there quite a bit like he's got that he's got conventions i mean not so much lately but yeah and his his dad died somewhat recently so yeah i know the dude's got a lot on his plate it's i think it's easy to be frustrated with him um i think but should approach him with empathy though oh yeah and also don't kick him in the slushy (laughs) yeah please don't kick him in the slushy if you if you are not sure what that means and have heard it that i believe that's from when he read the the prologue to mm-hmm. book three live it is that's what that's from that's why so many of us heard it because that was one of the you know the minecraft streams we all jumped on real quick yep <laughs> that was a fun day um i think that's the longest i've been on twitch ever yeah me too so there's no real good way to tie it back to Sam, but I'm going to try. Um, we thank in you. you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just going to leave all this in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I do think that there is very fertile ground for theorizing um, about Sam, especially with all the little tidbits, as we said. So I, I really hope nothing bad happens, but you know, I'm, I'm feeling like they're going to be on opposite sides and I, I don't know what's going to, where Will's going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the wild card there. That's kind of crazy. I will, I want to know. That would be a tragic decision no matter which way he chose. Yeah, it would be. And I, I think, you know, Sim with Fella. I think that there, you know, there. If there's some big confrontation, that fella could definitely tie into that. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know what, but she'd probably be on Sim's side there. And uh, you know, again, future casting. But someone uh, breaks the stones in front of the waystone. We uh, know one person who knows the name of stone. So mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And I, those little connections. I'm also just going to say this: if you think about who has done more for the overall group compared, comparing Quoth and um, 
and Sim. Sim has done more for his friends than Quoth does. Everybody else has gone out, has put their necks on the line for Quoth. He hasn't really done that for them that we've seen. He hasn't, unless, um, just to play devil's advocate, you know, unless he does it off screen. Yeah. Right. Unless he brings them, he does buy them the soup and the damn bread one time. They are working for him. But, you know, well, it's very possible he's bringing them little sweet rolls and little coffees every night, kissing them on the head, <laughs> telling them little Adima Roo stories. I mean. But probably not. Not if he has to spend any money. And also, that's true. Thinking about Quoth, he would definitely, definitely tell everybody every good thing he ever did. That's that's very true. I I was gonna try and you know play it off like, oh well, if it's not significant to the plot, Pat's not gonna put it in. But you know, Quoth definitely would would brag. But then Bass might get jealous. True. Because Quoth doesn't seem like the guy, a coat doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's that's bringing Bast, you know, breakfast in bed just because he's happy to see him. <laughs> or telling him stories. Or telling him stories. That might be what a cute, <laughs> what a cute scene when they all get drunk and Sims like, tell me a story. Yeah. And 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 man, that's you know, especially after everything with with the plum bob and with master hem um and ambrose all calling quoth ravel kind of in that uh that short span really at the end of the name of the wind and 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 going into wise man's fear um shit i've i've totally lost what i was gonna say what was i you're talking well, about the, the cute little like they were walking home drunk and they didn't feel like going oh, over yeah. the bridge because uh-uh. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you. Yeah. Well, but Quoth was so kind of hot at that point about his heritage and about people questioning him on his heritage. But, you know, even though Sam was kind of stereotyping him being like, hey, tell us a story. Is it true you all, you know, dance or whatever? That Quoth just kind of let it go. Even though he was in a time when he was feeling real feisty about it. I mean, Part of it is that the stereotypes that Sim picks up on, oh, you guys know some really awesome stories, are the things that he yeah, happens to true. believe about himself. True. <laughs> so, well, that's a stereotype, but it's actually true. <laughs> you know? It's true. We do all have finely tuned eavesdroppers' ears. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, anything else we anything else we need to talk about about Sim? I think that that's pretty much everything. I mean, like, with the exception of when Sim was called out in that situation for like, hey, that's either a not true or b like, you know, stop pulling on stereotypes. He's just yeah. oh okay, and he doesn't yeah he doesn't get defensive and angry. He gets okay, please explain it to me. Mm -hmm. So I like that. That's valuable. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you two so much for being here with me. Hey, you know, this has been really fun. Thanks for having us. And, uh, oh, hey, look, hey, it's Quoth. We can get that corners game going. Oh, my God. That bastard owes me money. <laughs> get over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all. And, uh, Listeners, thanks for being here with us from all of us. 
Until we meet again, may all your stories be glad ones. May your roads be smooth and short. And here's to one more day above the roses. To one more day above the roses. Ding. I don't, I don't have a ding, but we'll leave it in. <laughs> yeah.